We are still in the midst of The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. In this edition, we will be discussing the second part of Chapter 9, The Valley of the Shadow of Death. Christian has just been humbled in the Valley of Humiliation as he fought the mighty monster Apollyon. Now, rather than being able to rest on his laurels and lick his wounds, he must press on into the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Just from the name, you know Christian better buckle up because it's going to be a rough trip. Christian heads out through the Valley of Humiliation. Unfortunately for Christian, it doesn't get much better. (laughs) He's coming up to another valley, and two more people come running towards him going, Don't go in there! Don't go in there! Turn back! Turn away! You're going to die if you go in there. We nearly died, and we're getting out of there. It turns out that these are descendants of the people from Numbers 13 who brought back a bad report of the land of Canaan and discouraged the Israelites from entering it. Now, this is the third time so far in this story where we have seen a place where Christian has had to do some long and hard thinking about, is he going to proceed or is he going to turn around and go back? The first time was when the people told him not to go up because of the lions, on page 56. Then the second time is when he sees Apollyon approaching. (laughs) Now that's pretty understandable. Do I want to proceed? That's on page 70. But with Apollyon, he knew if he turned around and ran, he was more vulnerable because he had no armor on his back. So he would do just as well, if not better, to fight facing him. Go head on and face his fears and face this battle. Don't turn his back on it and run away because he's more vulnerable running away. Now we have a third one. Don't go into this valley. Well, he's thinking, what choice really do I have? I don't have anything to go back to. I might as well continue forward. He does go forward into the valley. And this valley is called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Psalm 23, anyone? Unfortunately, this valley lives up to its name. It is described as being a place with dragons and hobgoblins and satyrs. It's described as being a place of darkness, a place where there's continual howling and yelling, where people are in unutterable misery. There are clouds of confusion. It's just dreadful. On one side of the path, there is a ditch where the blind lead the blind and they both fall into it. And they're basically never heard from again. On the other side is a quagmire, quicksand, that it's going to suck you in and won't let you out. There's a very narrow path in between the two. And as I said before, it's dark. So Christian is really slowly going along here. When Christian continues his journey, he now has his sword out all the time. He has it ready to go in case of emergency. He's learned his lesson with Apollyon to always have his sword out just in case something else comes along that's unexpected that he needs to do battle with. But he is now prepared and he is ready. So he's much more alert. He's much more ready to rumble. He's not just walking along kind of passively looking at what's going on around him. He is ready to fight if needed. He's ready to defend himself if needed. It's 
a bit more of a, an aggressive stance. But he needs it, as we know from what he's gone through so far. We should be the same, where we are ready at a moment's notice to do battle if we need to. We should always be alert. So he's using his sword and he's putting his foot out a little bit and feeling his way forward. It's taking him a long time to get, go anywhere because he has to go really slowly and cautiously. Imagine what it's like for him. There are fiends around him. Some of them are rushing at him. It's like a scene out of The Living Dead where there are zombies coming towards him and trying to get him. He's terrified. He actually gets to the mouth of hell at one point and he passes by it. There's fire and smoke. There's screaming and yelling. It's horrible. It's absolutely terrifying. And if he takes one false step, he's going to die. It becomes so bad that Christian realizes that knowing the Bible, using his sword, isn't enough. And he has to pray. So he begins praying. And he begs God to save him and deliver him. He shouts out, Oh Lord, save me. <laughs> Simple and sweet. Short and to the point. He's turning everything he has over to God. God, just save me. And God does. He sees him through this horrible time. He's in quite a state trying to decide what he's going to do here. And he thinks again, should I go forward? Or should I give up and turn around like those other two guys did? Because this is horrendous. But he decides to stay faithful to the course. And he continues onwards. He's so upset by all the attacks that are going on around him and all the things that he's trying to fend off and all the screaming and yelling and horrible confusion that a wicked one, who is the opposite of a shining one, the shining ones are angels, the wicked ones are demons, manages to come up behind him and start whispering blasphemies in his ear. Christian's so confused that he doesn't recognize that it's a wicked one. He thinks it's himself thinking these horrible thoughts, and he's really upset with himself for doing that. We have moments where that happens. You're going along, you're minding your own business, and then suddenly this thought pops into your head, and you're like, that is a really horrible thing. Or this curse word just pops into your head and kind of encourages you to say it out loud, and, and you're like, what is going on here? I don't normally think like that. Why did that just pop into my head? Because that's not you. That is a wicked one trying to influence you, trying to fill your head with thoughts that are wicked and evil and to get your mind off God. So you need to recognize that for what it is and immediately get rid of it out of your mind. If you keep dwelling on it, then it does become your thoughts. But if it's just one of those things that pops into your head, that is a wicked one trying to influence you and to get you to go astray. Don't let it happen. As he's getting over halfway through, he realizes he can hear somebody else. This person is actually quoting from Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. <sighs> ah, that makes such a difference for Christian. Because... He's not alone. He's not alone anymore. Not only that, but he knows God must be with this other person because he's quoting scripture. So therefore, God must be with him too. And that encourages him. 
Then he has a third thought. Maybe I can catch up to this guy and we can travel together. And then I won't be alone anymore on my journey. Isn't that awesome? He's really encouraged by this and he picks up the pace a bit and he's heading out. That's a good thing to remember in our lives too. We go through terrible times and sometimes we feel like we are alone in this problem. We are alone in this situation. No one else is experiencing or has ever experienced what we're going through. We just can feel isolated and cut off and alone. But the truth is, no. Lots of other people have been through similar circumstances. Lots of other people understand what you're going through. You're not alone. Some other people are going through it right now as you're going through it. You're not alone. God is with you through every step of the way. You're not alone. As Christian's walking along, the sun starts to come up. Once it's bright enough that he can see around himself pretty well, he stops and he looks back. It's not a stopping and looking back of, I'm going to turn back and go back to the city of destruction. No, he wants to look back at how far he's come. He wants to see the perils that he's made it through. He wants to see all of the things that he has endured. So he looks back and, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. He is amazed at what he's made it through. It was actually worse than he was thinking. And he's still got more to go. Up ahead of him, there are pitfalls and traps and ledges to fall off and snares and nets and all kinds of things that are going to get him into trouble. But the difference now is because the sun is up, he can see them and he can avoid them relatively easily. He can just go around them because he can see them. Had he encountered these things the night before when it was dark, he would definitely have fallen into one of the pits or fallen over one of the ledges or gotten trapped in a net and he wouldn't have made it through. But now that the sun is up and he's grown up a bit and matured a bit, he can see them and he can avoid them. Please note that it is because the sun has risen that Christian is able to see his way through the snares and pitfalls and other hazards and dangers in the valley of the shadow of death. There is a correlation here between the sun rising, as in the S-U-N rising, which is helping him to see physically, and the S-O-N rising and helping Christian to see spiritually. That is the same in our lives, that the more we have the S-O-N, sun, in our lives, the easier it is for us to be able to see the pits and the snares and the traps and the nets and all of the other things that the enemy tries to throw our way to trip us up as we travel. That's similar to our own walk of life as well. There are things we're going to be encountering as we go along that are snares, that are pitfalls, that are things that we could fall off of and get hurt, physically as well as metaphorically. If we can see them and recognize them for what they are, then we can avoid them. That is one of the points of becoming more mature in our faith, is something that earlier on, when we were younger and less mature, we would have been ensnared by it, or fallen into it, or tripped over it, or 
had a big problem because of it, because we wouldn't have recognized it for what it was. But now we can recognize it. Now we can just avoid it. How much better is it that we can just avoid it? We can just go around our snare, go around our pitfall. It's not a snare or a pitfall to us anymore. We've grown up. Thank you, God, for giving us the eyes to see it and recognize it so we don't fall in. There's one more test that Christian has to endure before he gets out of these horrible valleys, and that is to go by the caves of giant pope and giant pagan. The author says that the areas around these giants are just strewn with mangled bodies and bones and blood and basically gore. If you've ever watched a horror movie, the blood and gore all over the place. Just these bodies everywhere of pilgrims that had gone before but got caught by these two. But Christian actually has an easy time of it because when he goes through, the giants are so old, Pagan is actually dead. <laughs> that one's pretty easy to get by. Giant Pagan, who obviously represents paganism, is dead. At the time that Bunyan wrote this story, remember this is the mid to late 1600s, paganism was nearly wiped out in Western Europe. Paganism is actually coming back. All of that New Age stuff that is becoming more and more trendy and popular, that's a lot of aspects of paganism. So if we were to be going through this valley right now, giant pagan would still be there. He would not be dead. The other giant is giant pope. The pope is obviously the head of the Catholic Church. We have giant pope there, but the author describes him as being old and decrepit, and basically, he can't do much of anything other than to be going <laughs> as people go by. He's sinisterly grinning at them and then biting his nails in frustration because he can't go get them because he's old and things aren't working so well. He's senile and he's stiff in his joints and he can't get up and go get the pilgrims anymore. The best he can do is to yell, You'll never be restored until more of you are burnt. At this time period, the Roman Catholic Church was going through its Inquisition. As far as the Inquisitors were concerned, whether they were Catholics or Protestants, those who did not align themselves with the official Roman Catholic doctrine were considered to be heretics. And heretics were burned at the stake. In the Historical Background Part 1, we looked at some of the more questionable Catholic doctrines that didn't line up with Scripture. So that's what that comment was all about. Ugly or not, Christian has made it through these valleys, these very, very sore trials that he's had to go through. When we get to the next chapter, he will actually meet up with the owner of the mysterious voice that helped him get through the Valley of the Shadow of Death. So stay tuned and we'll find out what's going on next, who Pilgrim's going to encounter. <sighs> In any case, thank you so much for listening to this edition of America's Godly Heritage. I hope you have a great day. Bye! Help us spread our message. If you would like to learn more about America's Godly Heritage, 
or to support us with your prayers or finances, you can find us on Patreon, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Alexa, TuneIn, Pocket Casts, Listen Notes, Podcast Index, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Podvine, Player FM, YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Truth, and last but not least, Give, Send, Go. You can view the resources used to make this podcast on YouTube, Vimeo, and Patreon. Once again, we really appreciate your support. Have a great day. Bye!